0: All right. It is bright and early Friday morning, my time. It is not so bright and early Friday morning UK time with my friend James Ogden, who I guess I jumped ahead and started introducing him. Um, Welcome to the Ravens Draft Central podcast. Um, This is hosted by Russell Street Report. Um, We're both Myself, oh, well, let me take a second to introduce myself. I'm Dev Panchois. Uh, I don't want to assume you know my voice, but uh, maybe, you know, I just started to get into it because I'm so excited. Uh, this is the inaugural, I guess, Raven's Draft Central podcast episode uh, for, for anybody that's listening in. Um, the Raven's Draft Central is a dedicated website, web journey. Uh, that we uh, we've worked on here and um, Tony Lombardi Derek Arnold uh, a lot of the staff has put time into it James has put a ton of time into it and uh, just wanted to take a moment to um, to acknowledge that and that this is a podcast that will be featured on that website and you'll be able to hear it everywhere else but we're excited um, take a moment here to to bring in my friend James James Ogden you know him from Uh, battle plans and now it's this it's his season as he likes to call it uh, the drafts and James is also along with a podcast episode he's creating dedicated scouting reports for pretty much any player Um, but James want to take a second here uh, how are you doing and uh, this is exciting so how's it
1: going man yeah, it's good, Dev. Thanks, man. Um, yeah, thanks Dean the intro and really excited about Ravens Draft Central. Like it's the the site is kind of coming together now and it'll be it'll be live very soon. Um, you'll be able to get all of your your Russell Street Report draft content there from from all of the usual usual suspects, all of the writers over at, at RSR. Um, but also and that will be on the homepage, but also from the homepage, you'll be able to navigate through the different position groups. And on, in each position group, you've, you've got, you'll have a bunch of reports um, that I've penned um, on all of the different prospects in this class. Uh, I mean, so I have a day job, so it's not going to be a 500-player <laughs> beast like uh, like Dane Brugler or, or Lance Airline, but you'll get at least over 100 players. And each of those players has a full, full evaluation, full report, and also... The thing that i'm most passionate about with this with this site and with the work i'm doing which will also be a big um kind of ravens focused draft publication that i release in april as well um is that you know when you evaluate players in the media when you see people you know people like Dane brookler lands line those the guys at espn who evaluate guys in the media they're evaluating players for a for a generic scheme you know they're trying to say this guy fits this particular scheme best he could do this in this scheme so they're not really addressing it's very difficult to evaluate a player when you're not evaluating a player to a specific team um and so that's the beauty of that we can get into as 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 ravens focused um media where we can i don't know if we should call ourselves the media ravens focused uh, analysts where we can get into the kind of into the well i can get into in the reports the the fit with the Ravens what the Ravens look for what the kind of scheme fit of that player is so you can sort of assess for yourself whether you think that is going to going to work in in the for the in um, in Raven Purple and that's what these podcasts are for as well so that we can talk about it and obviously you Dev one of the smartest guys out there in terms of knowing what the Ravens look for and and what they do in terms of personnel both historically and now so great to talk about that with you as we go through this.
0: Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Uh, and and uh, yeah, that's a phenomenal point um, just for anybody that is listening in. Um, these are companion pieces. So uh, and James hit it on the head. I think the big thing is um, no knock. Of course, those guys are phenom- uh, Those guys are are, are really talented. They, they give a lot of knowledge, but they don't have to cover the entire league. So it's hard to drill down on the Ravens. Right. But we've gotten into a point, uh, I think, when we're talking about history, right? Like where now you 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 really want to get the information about the players and the team? I think, um, and I've I've wanted it that way. So I think when James and I talked about this before, uh, and we've we got to know each other this way. Um, if I remember, you know, we started talking, and the, James has been doing this for a while um, with with his website, um, his Red Star website, and just kind of like. With the stuff he's done for Russell Street Report as well. And uh, the idea is, look, I mean, the Ravens have their own very unique drafts, outlook, uh, the players they go for. There's a history about it. There's a trends about it. This is not a, like, Mel type. No offense to Mel, but I think Mel's saying that they need X, Y, and Z position to be filled, so then I'm going to mock that position. So it's, it's more of a, uh, again, it's very tailored Like if you were talking about like, you know, uh, bespoke, tailored, it's that. And so this is the journey. um, Hopefully uh, the Ravens fan base is going to gain from it. I I know these reports are incredible. So without further ado, let's jump into the first position uh, group. Um, I think we're both excited here. Um, It's offensive tackle, which I, I think is interesting when you unpack this. It's turned into the new wide receiver. Um, although I don't think wide receiver has been a a sore point for like three, four years. So it's not at that level just yet, but it's get getting there. Um, Offensive tackle. I mean, even Eric Acosta, you, you hear him, the general manager for the Ravens just getting out in front of it. You heard coach Harbaugh talking about offensive tackle and their end, end of year press conferences. So they're very aware the need not just the need but the fan sentiment like the the media sentiment the whole on the team so um I think we can start off James kind of take a quick little at a glance um at this position from a team perspective um you know it, it was a it was it was just a disaster beyond disaster right like you had left tackle Ronnie Stanley coming back from a gruesome ankle injury, um, which caused him to miss, I think, well, he played six games in 2020, if I'm not mistaken. Or no, maybe, no, played more than half the season, right? So he got hurt against New England. Uh, that was a big loss that game. I think they ended up being like six and three or something. And then they lost him to that injury. Didn't really, we, I don't think anybody really understood the, the the severity of the recovery process. Then the Ravens, right tackle went to left tackle orlando brown is a four bowl player said i want to get, i want to get traded like i don't want to i don't want to be here unless i'm playing left tackle um so you start the 2021 off season on that note the ravens had to replace brown they replaced him with alejandro villanueva we, we know the story right and it turned into um, a lot of musical chairs and, and and they just couldn't find the right combination at offensive tackle so here we are now um, 2022, and this is the state right now. Um, and what would you say? I mean, is is kind of like the tenor right right now at that position from your perspective, and like what what is like your viewpoint of it um, going into this draft?
1: Well, I think there's just a bunch of I think there's a bunch of question marks on Pat McCary, offensive tackle, right now for mm-hmm. the Ravens. You know, I th- I think we went from sorry, the Ravens went from Two absolute bookends with Stanley and Brown, as you mentioned, to to complete uncertainty at the position. You know, we we don't know on the outside of the building what's going on with Ronnie Stanley. Apparently, we've heard recently that his that his his rehab is ahead of where it was last season. So they must be hopeful, but you you just can't know. And when you go back and you know, if people, I'd encourage people to go back and watch the Raiders game um, that Stanley played in at the start of the, start of the season. It just was not Ronnie Stanley, no. and I think the 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 main thing you can you can see on the film the lack of ankle flexion, and so his bend just wasn't there. So he was he was very stiff, he was very straight up and down, and of course, you know, a, a great pass rusher like Yannick Ngakoue was gonna was gonna take advantage of that. So is he going to be the same guy? Is the big question. I think you have to assume that he may not be. Um, In which case you have to think when you're thinking about an offensive tackle, you are probably thinking about a left tackle. And if you end up taking a left tackle, Stanley gets good and he's back fine. And then this guy probably also has to have swing, swing capability. You probably do need to be able to put this guy on the right hand side of the Ravens scheme and have him play to a high level. While also having him as some insurance for, for Stanley. The one real positive for me is Pat Macari. Like I said, I think Pat McCari is, is a solid offensive tackle, solid language in sort of scanning language is kind of average. I think he's a slightly above average, actually. I think he takes full advantage of the length that he does have, even though he's does have quite short arms. But I do think he's he deploys it intelligently and he doesn't like I think he played at a pretty good level last year. And there were some times when he didn't, but he had a lot. He had some injury issues, and so I do think that Makari is a guy that you can you can write in there. I think everybody else is a question mark, um, and obviously that includes Juwan James and and some of the other signings that they that they made. So yeah,
0: and the an interesting yeah. thing is also like Tyree Phillips is a guy I know we uh, like as a pros- We liked as a prospect. We just don't like him at tackle. Like it's not. It looks as though uh, it's it's just a tough fit for him and his skill set. And then, yeah, I mean, when you look at this, this group, I mean, there's some interesting guys that got a chance. I mean, uh, I think it was David Sharp had a chance who's on the free agency list. Um, when you look at, he gave him a couple, of, I think he gave him some good reps and they gave him gave him a good game. Um, but, and then, and you mentioned Macari, who I think we want to take, yeah, that's, that's a good call out. Like Macari came in. I, I think I had my doubts a little bit with him at, um, well, I think right tackle there was always that potential but then, you know, left tackle they had him playing some left tackle in the, in the spring before Stanley came back. So, but he acquitted himself very well. We had we heard Von Miller, I mean, who's one of the best pass rushers in football saying that Macari's the best right tackle in football or like he was the toughest guy he had to play against. So, they do have that going for them. But um, you know, regardless, I think it's pretty obvious that tackles a need it's been harped on. So let's get into a little bit of like the, the, the combine, right? So we're also recording this, which is cool. We're recording this at the heart of the combine. The combine started uh, yesterday officially with the workouts um, uh, and, and offensive line is up today. So we're, we're kind of recording this beforehand. I don't think it's going to impact our, our conversation all that much because and we'll get into it in a second of who the top dogs are. I don't think it's going to change much, which is the only thing that changed or not changed, but enhanced all these guys because they, they showed up and really were impressive. I think in their measurables and they're like weight and they're, they're in shape and what they had to say. However, um, the cost is, you know, I think kind of just taking a step back at the combine um, talked about the class. So I wanted to take a moment here just kind of like in, in terms of what he has stated, I think he confirmed again, you know, like that this is a, an outstanding offensive line class in his mind. And I think DeCosta is the type of guy, James, you can tell me if I'm wrong. And if he thinks, he's not going to say certain words like frivolously, like I, I, I remember two years ago or maybe it was two years ago, uh or so and he really didn't have a lot of positive things to say about that offensive line class like so like he won't say it's a bad class but he won't say it's outstanding he won't say it's like this you know like he won't use those types of superlatives right um your thoughts on that like i don't think he talks like uh out of i think he he doesn't hype things
1: up really um no no and he's very very calculated so yeah. if he mentions names, there's a reason he's mentioning those names. Like you know, yeah. we, we saw from the from from his from his conference that he that he mentioned uh, Cross, he mentioned Lunderbaum, he mentioned yep. uh, Neil, and I think, I you know you could argue I, I, this isn't what I think, but what what you could look at that and say is you know Neil's going to go well before, and he knows that, so he thinks that you know Neil is going to go much earlier than than the Ravens select maybe he doesn't have cross as one of the top 14 players in this draft um because i've seen people all over the board on cross and linda baum isn't a scheme fit so it's really interesting that he's talked about those guys I know. you know i i think that could be you know we've seen before that he's done it you know he did it with the wide receiver thing last year um i think he's going to do whatever he can to throw people off the scent and he's very calculated with with why he mentions things
0: well let's stick with that for one second because i think that's a good point he did not mention Rashad Bateman ever. There is no mention of Bate, other than Joe Ortiz's uh, very, I guess, you know, cookie cutter statements during their li- Liars press conference. I mean, there was no major, major, um, detailed like uh, you know breakdown of it, right? Like I, I think they had mad- mentioned Marshall quite a bit as well, but like, yeah, it is. I think one of the things you get to know is like, can you read between between the lines he's he is a really good poker player though um and i would not in the late like i would not put it this way like be don't be surprised to be surprised is what i would say um because they're not gonna say they're not gonna they may talk up a guy that they want other players other teams to want because they're talking up that guy so that's a great point
1: um yeah and I, i don't know what their what their process is for sort of factoring in that kind of fit with the ravens into their evaluations. You know, we know that they that they place red stars on certain guys, but that's only for for certain individuals. It's not the way that they build their board. And so with the with the evaluation I'm doing this year, I am kind of I'm putting grades on players. My my process this year has changed. I'm I am grading the traits that I usually grade, but then I'm also grading some particular Ravens traits that I think are important, including scheme fit. And they go into they they will that that grade will be added on to my pure grade for the player, and then you'll start to see where where people fit in terms of the Ravens. And I think for me, when you look at this off at the top of this offensive tackle class, and we'll, we'll get into it, but I, I do it does it's telling to me that he didn't mention Aquano and Penning because. Depending on where, like, you need to get them at a particular value for those both those players. Equano, I think, is a little bit higher than 14, and Penning is a little bit lower than 14. But if you're looking at the the, the top four guys, Equano and Penning are the guys that you would want playing for the Ravens, like, yeah. they are the yeah. ones who fit the best. So it is surprise, it isn't a surprise that you didn't mention those guys.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's intriguing for sure. So, well, that let, let's get into it though. I think you, you, you really set it up well. These reports again, just to conf- you know, kind of reiterate, they are going to be available um uh, in full. Uh so you you can take the opportunity. We'll we'll talk about each prospect, we'll get James's take on like where he sees them ranked, all that good stuff. So let's jump into conu? Econ- econ- I, I know you can yeah, yeah, well, got I gotta do that. Icky. I'm just gonna be icky. All right, so <laughs> Icky's a lot easier. Um I, I I think anybody that's heard me on like a battle plan spot they would know that I struggle with, uh, pronunciations of certain names. So, um, Icky's a hell of a pr- prospect. Um, I think when you, when you presented him, um, to me, I think he was your, you were, you were the most fired up about him. Uh, and I know you well enough that you, you actually have very strong opinions. If you don't like love a guy, you don't love a guy. <laughs> if you love a guy, you love a guy. So I want to give it to you the chance to drill down on him, uh, starting with, um, yeah. What, what have you seen with him? Like, what do you like? What can he work on? Just, just dive into it. Let's, let's talk about him.
1: The, the first thing I like to mention when I, when I talk about um, Aquano is, so he, <laughs> so he is nasty and tough. Like he, he, he really is. He will finish guys and he has this demeanor about him that's physical. It's just is exactly what you would look for in a raven, but the thing that I love about that is that he's a totally different guy off the field. He's quite a lightning rod in the in the dressing room, like the, in the, in the changing room. Like it's 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 really. So he won a he won an award in elementary school for joy, <laughs> and yeah, this guy straps on straps up his chin strap and goes and takes people's st- souls. So he's... takes their um, joy away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So he's a, he's an interesting guy from that perspective. In terms of the evaluation on the field, uh, so the the first thing you need to know is is it, when he. So one of the things you look for when you're looking at offensive tackle, you're looking at the when you're looking at their pass protection, you're looking at the different ways in which they set their vertical sets, their forty five sets, their quick sets. Vertical set is the jet the general thing you see when people set backwards and, and take four five steps backwards and their kick slide. Um, and mirror a rusher sort of trace the hoop and and mirror that rusher upfield a vertical set a a jump set or a quick set is when you just jump straight into the blocker and you don't actually set yourself backwards 45 is kind of a halfway house when he 45 and quick sets um if he gets his hands on you it's over um his his timing with his hands is incredible and his latch strength he just you you cannot you cannot disengage from him in those situations in vertical sets it's slightly different he mirrors well and stays pretty patient against the kind of less less athletic rushes that you see but when we when you do get a kind of more athletic rusher who's got a plan you can panic and lunge a little bit when he's having to do that vertical set so that's something that I think is something that's a that's a challenge. And the other thing that happens in vertical sets at times is he can overset a bit. So what you want to do when you're setting as an offensive tackle, you want to maintain a half man relationship, which is what we call, which means he needs to be um, half, half of his body needs to be covering up half of the rusher's body. He sometimes oversets a bit, so he gives he he. When you look at him from behind, you you'll be able to see the full body of the rusher, usually inside and then he'll t- that that rusher will you know good rushers will easily take that that open door that he's giving them and, and take it to the quarterback so his path, his pass path protection is a mixed bag i don't believe that the so the thing is you're in the projection business here so i don't believe that the oversetting is an issue that will continue to plague him once he gets some pro coaching. Let's not forget he wasn't at a powerhouse. He was at NC State. I think you get him in, into a pro coaching environment, and I think you can probably fix some of the technical issues that you've got there in terms of his pass protection. Um, and I think you can you can fix those to the extent that he would then be a, a good pass a good pass protector. And and the thing about him too is that you know, when he does open that door. If he's open, if he hasn't opened the door and he hasn't overset, then his power step is very good. He's got a good anchor, so I I, I think it's just that sort of technicality to fix in the pass protection. And we can talk about the run blocking, but maybe I'll give you a chance to come back on that.
0: Yeah, I think that those are all strong points. I mean, we talk about also what the Ravens uh, kind of look at or look for in an offensive lineman, and um, I think that. You know, the latch strength, the ability to be physical and be able to basically, uh, when he gets his hands on you, you're not moving. We've seen that from a lot of the guys that they've drafted and across the board, like Tyree Phillips, we just talked about earlier, has that strength, um, that power. He can, once he gets his hands on you, it's over. Orlando Brown kind of had that as well. Uh, But if you look at like historically as well, They tend to like the guys that are like uh, that are brawlers more so, or that have that physicality. I think that's definitely spot on um, when you think about like if he finishes the play. But like the pass protection aspect is also like, is there an ability with your hands just to kind of like once I got you, you're you're not going anywhere. You're in a vice. So that's also something. and I, 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 I mean, that's just the way that they've looked at it for a long, long time. And I don't think that's that's changed much. But yeah, let's Let me jump into the, the run blocking side, too, because I know that's where he shines like he's yeah. and that's what they want.
1: Right. <laughs> Absolutely. And this is the this is the place where he fits so well, because as a gap blocker, he's uh, positioning. So there are three phases to a run block position, fit and finish. Position is obviously getting in, getting in place to 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 throw your strike into the guy. Fit is that your feet are in the right position and that your hands are, are landing in the strike zone. And then finish is obviously driving your feet on contact and you know and making the block functional. Finish doesn't have to be driving a guy into the ground. Finish just can be just making the the play functional. Your block, you get your butt turned to the to the uh, to the back and make sure you're opening the lane for them. He positions really well as a gap blocker. And when he positions well, his fit and finish is disgusting. It's just he will absolutely destroy guys. He works really well on double teams, especially as the drive man. Um, So the double drive man is the guy on the double team who will release to the second level. He's really good with timing on his release to the second level. He's just a he's a he's a dominant run blocker. There are a couple of things with his run blocking. One is that he can chase the highlight block sometimes, so he can go a little bit too much after that big finish. Um, and so he can be sort of susceptible to to kind of Matador-type moves where the the defensive lineman, if they're savvy enough, will encourage him to keep coming at them, get him overbalanced, and then swim him with an arm over and, and get in the, in the running back's lane. So he is susceptible to that. That does happen on tape. Uh, I do think it's against defensive linemen who are are better processors more intelligent mm-hmm. and he's going to face a lot of those at the next level but uh, that is something he needs to clean up the, the other thing to mention which I think is important for his fit in terms of where he plays at the next level. I've seen a lot of people suggest that he could play guard. And the reason they suggest he could play guard is because he's so good in those quick and 45 sets, those ones where you will see guards more more often you will you will see guards do those kind of setting in pass protection and not vertical setting. But I I've my concern with him as a guard is that as an outside zone blocker. So if he's going to an outside zone team, which the Ravens aren't. But he will run some outside zone with the Ravens. They mix some of it in. Um, my concern with him as an outside zone blocker is he's he's good. NC State ran a ton of outside zone. But the problem is often he couldn't get the outside shoulder. Um, and often when you when you do that in outside zone as the offensive tackle, what you can turn that block into is just run the guy to the sideline. Yeah. And then the running back will make you run and right. Right. get upfield. The problem is you can't do that at guard. You can do it to an extent. But you can't always do it. And he very frequently did ride the guy to the sideline. So at guard, you need him to more consistently get the outside shoulder and seal the inside to create that edge for the running back, especially if it's an outside zone scheme where the aiming point is definitely the, the, um, the bounce. So you, I'm a little concerned about him as a projection to guard so i do think he's a i do think he's a pure offensive tackle there may be some versatility there and i think there's more versatility for the ravens because they won't ask him to do that zone blocking as much so i think he probably could play guard for the ravens too so i he's a he's a great fit um great scheme fit everything the ravens look for the only thing that would be just be interesting to see is his length because the ravens are big on length um, i'm not a massive length guy offensive tackle i do think it's important um but they, they definitely have some red lines, I think, around length. I think they won't, they won't draft um, shorter armed offensive tackles. They just haven't done it in their history. So it'll be interesting. They like big, massive arm guys. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. I don't think he's especially long, uh, but I think he'll be long enough.
0: Or they've drafted guys to play interior positions uh, with tackle experience and then they end up, you know, Makari is another example of that. But like Yonda, I don't think had particularly long arms and played tackle for them. But like that was more of a byproduct of like they didn't have that. Is the initial position vision for these guys? Uh, I don't know. James Hurst was a guy that had long arms, but I don't I don't remember that at all. Or it didn't strike me as he did. I don't have the, the, the measurables in front of me. So um, you're you're right though. It's not. I mean, they tend to, again, it gets back to the same traits, right? Big guy, strong guy, physical, mauler. Well, well, just when, when you have the, the the hands and you have the vice grip, you know, that all kind of goes with the same territory, I think, like physically wise, physically. Um, the, 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 the point about playing guard and tackle is also really important here uh, because one of the things I think, there's two things, like one is the Ravens like, that versatility there. but I, I, this player, I mean, assuming it's not icky cause he's going to be gone, you know, higher, right? Like these guys are all going to be, I think they're all going to need to be able to play guard uh, because if Stanley's healthy, right. If James is healthy, um, that's a good thing, but then that's a good problem. I mean, if they sign someone, right. So, but left guard is still, I think totally up for grabs despite the fact that they have Cleveland they drafted him and you know Powers is still in the mix but we don't know if he's going to stay in the mix so the the fact is is that yeah guard is I think definitely um like position of interest can one of these guys even if you know they do the J- Jonathan Ogden thing right play the guy for at guard first year and then they move him over to right tackle and that's your right tackle for and and hopefully Stanley's healthy right so you have two bookends but that ha- that is something I think they'll they'll be looking keenly at um, as we go forward here. But any other words on Icky? Um, you know, I think oh. you talked about the fit for the Ravens is excellent. Like anything on that? You anything else we haven't discussed, um, on him?
1: I don't think so. I think, like you said, the fit the fit is great, and you know, but the the big thing is I, I just can't see him being available at fourteen. I, I, I think he'll be gone top, potentially even top five. So. If he if he if he falls, sort of eight to ten range, then I'd go I'd go up and get him. I think I, I would spend some picks and go up and get him. Okay. But I don't think he's I don't think he's going to fall that far. And I I, and I would say eight to ten is about right. Like the the thing that we need to remember about this draft class specifically is that when we talk about Ike Maquano, he, he I really like Ike. I would stand on the table for him. I think he's great. The only thing I would say is I don't think he's an elite like, I don't think he's an elite, elite prospect. So normally in most drafts, you see five or six guys who are, you know, really elite prospects and they're guys that have all pro potential. And right. then you have a bunch of sort of 10 to 15 guys who are really good and could make pro bowls and it could be that. I, I don't think there are pretty much, I don't think there's anyone that I would put in that stratosphere of being in on the grades that I've given. I don't think there's any player in this class that I would put in the potential all pro stratosphere. There might well, be it's some not more pros like Walter Jones.
0: Class, but... We're not talking about Walter Jones or recently like console or no. family. Um, I I'm with you there. None of these guys is at that level. They all have pretty sizable holes in their game. That's the interesting thing. That being said, I think that for the Ravens purpose. They're good, they're very good, or it could be even like a pro bowl or right tackle. We we, will get into that. I mean, I think um, it's an interesting dynamic, right? Like, just thinking about the fit again per team, like, depending on who drafts these guys, I, I agree. Like, you're not, you should probably temper the expectations a little bit. But, but that being said, that's a natural segue to our next guy, Evan Neal. A little bit of background, I'll let you jump in there with the player prospect um, profile, but Neil met with the team, it was, uh, (laughs) again, another DaCosta, like, I'm just gonna, like, get you guys to chase some rabbits, Um, met with the team, DaCosta talked about it, it was very impressed with him, of course, he's an Alabama guy, so that speaks for itself. You know, Ozzie Newsom, former great GM is an Alabama guy. He's tapped into the network. So we, they, they know Neil, I'm sure. But um, you know, Neil's a guy that I think is quite impressive. Uh, he came out and he stopped, talked about how Larry Allen's his favorite player and he's played guard and he's played tackle and he's willing to play either um, 237 pounds, but did not look an ounce like he's three thirty seven. Like I, he looks like a small, he looks like a small forward, power forward, power forward. Because he had some guys like Charles Barkley at power forward, uh, a round mound of rebound. But like this guy's no, like he's he's like Sean Kemp or something for the old heads out there uh, that can follow those, you know, uh, analogies. He's just he's built. Uh, he's built. He's cut. He doesn't have any fat. Didn't look like it. So um i'm a fan but um he could be the number one pick in the draft so um that and he could also like you said he could be ahead of him so talk about neil let's let's get into him what are his strengths weaknesses
1: yeah so he I and mean, he's down from 350 plus so he's i know he's training with Duke Manyweather, and and most of the guys that do end up um end up being good players so um that, you know, he's done the work and got himself down to that lean 337. And that's that's really impressive, considering I thought he still operated pretty well at, at 350 plus. Um, so Evan, Evan Neal, is he's an outstanding pass protector. You know, he is never in trouble as a pass protector. You, you rarely see him in trouble. The, the only time you will see him in trouble, and we'll talk about why he's good in a second, but the only time you will see him in trouble is against the most powerful power rushers. Um, the ones with the best with, with great play strength, that means he can be walked back into the quarterback at that time. But the, the, the only thing I'd say with that is that he'll compete even with those guys. you know he'll compete, he'll reset his feet, he'll re anchor and he will compete. So he'll win his fair share of those reps too. Everything else, he has really efficient feet, um, which is a thing that is, is always un- underrated. He, he moves really powerfully with kind of intent and purpose and he's a he's a natural lateral mover for his size his hand placement is just consistently excellent. His timing his hand placement. He's a technician, you know, whether it's inside hand, whether it's outside hand, whether it's two hands, it's just, everything is expertly placed. Everything is, everything is in control. He's always in control of himself. I just think he's an excellent pass protector. And like I said, he does have a good anchor. He does have a good power step. He opens his hips really well, deals with counters and stunts. Well, there's a ton of ton to like about him as a, as a pass protector, the, the the place where we start to sort of pick holes in his game is as a run blocker. And so the, the great offensive line coach for the Indianapolis Colts, Howard Mudd, um, I I heard, uh, I saw a clinic that he get, well, actually it was just more of a talk he gave once about what he looks for in offensive linemen. And what Howard Mudd said was when, when you're looking at run blocking in terms of offensive linemen, you want to see, are, are they, do they have explosive strength? So do they, do they snap themselves into contact? Or are they a pusher? Um, do they just kind of roll people around? Evan Neal is a pusher. He, I don't believe he has explosive strength. Um, not in the run game. And specifically when he's um, gap blocking. Now, what I would say is that he's not deficient as a gap blocker. He will stalemate. Um, you know, he against against better defensive linemen, he'll get a stalemate, but he won't get much push. So he can finish. He can make blocks functional. But you're not going to see a guy who's throwing people out of the club, you know, just going all over the place. That's not going to be the case. You know, he's not Iki He is not going to dominate people in the in in the run game, but he is going to make things functional. Um, and I do see. Yeah, I do. I do see the potential there as a run blocker. To just be good enough to become an elite left tackle. Um, if we're g- if we're going to get a little bit technical, I think the main the main thing I have is that his feet don't always follow his hands in the kind of finish portion of the block. Um, so he's not always moving always moving his feet on contact. Um, I also don't think he fits his hands particularly well when he's out in space. Um, so that can be a bit of a deficiency. But I'm I'm picking. Um, yeah. I do think he's. I do think he's of the same level of Aquanu. I think. I think there's, like you said, there's a real chance he goes number one, and there's a real chance he goes higher than Aquanu, um, with all that potential. And I think he'll he'll probably test pretty well this week as well. So he's he's great. He's he's a great offensive tackle. I think he's going to be great in the, in the league. You know, he's a guy that the Ravens, he's not, he's obviously, he's nowhere near as good a fit as Aquanu, um in terms of that, that run blocking the, and the scheme. Um, but he's the kind of guy that you you say, you know what, we'll just, we'll take that. It's the, it's the kind of trade-off they made with Stanley, actually.
0: I was just um, about to bring that up because yeah. I feel like you're describing Stanley in a lot of ways because the, especially the run blocking aspect um, when Stanley came into the fold, I mean, a lot of it, and he's still, like a lot of it is is position and getting to his spot and being able to, like you said, push the guy versus like driving him five yards back or driving him five yards and and getting after it. And I think there's sometimes a misnomer. Uh, Jonathan Ogden is the greatest, and I I got some heat for this, but saying he's the greatest left tackle in history in the NFL in the NFL history. That's my opinion. I think I stand by it. But part of the misnomer is that Jo was uh, a nice, jolly guy that didn't really like, get fired up. That's not true. Like he would destroy guys and he would he would uh, embarrass them. It just didn't look it didn't look like he was doing it because he was just that much more physically imposing. But whereas Stanley, uh, there's definite like at, at times, you know, he's he's getting the job done, like you said, just kind of doing it. Uh, but he's not—he's not like uh, taking a guy apart, you know. He's not driving a guy like he said five yards back. So, um, what I—I I do think though, you know, and it's interesting because um, you know DeCosta's word choice—he called him a, a good, what do you call him, a strong run blocker. So, um, I—I—but I, I—but I think that could be interpreted in multiple ways, right? That could be interpreted as he's there, he needs to, hes doing what he's supposed to do. But um, he is, yeah, again, that's a trade-off. Uh, but I, I think it's a, it's a trade-off you, you would definitely um, take. Um, and ultimately, Stanley is a good example of a guy that they kind of made that concession on a little bit, but it paid off. And the same could be said with Neil, but um, I don't think, unfortunately, he's not going to be around uh to to even uh, you know for, for that um but definitely intriguing uh would have fit I think for them too uh maybe not quite the same as icky but um yeah
1: you know. anything else on neil though any other yeah points? i was just gonna no i was just gonna say uh, uh, worth making clear that um when you plug in the tape you will see him move you will see him move people like he can move people i just think when he moved people it was against Lesser competition. It was against guys who weren't playing with as good play strength, with as good a play strength as other guys. I think when he came up against guys with better play strength, there was a lot less movement, and he's going to see that more in the league. So right. I don't want anyone thinking I'm saying he can't move people, and um, he certainly can. I just think you you're projecting him to the league. You want to try and look at what kind of competition he's facing, who he's doing that against, and I, I felt like. He did it against guys, like I said, who had who had a bit less of play strength, maybe weren't playing with as good a leverage. But he can move people. Uh, he I think the thing is it's like you said, it's it's um I think he he can be a functioning run blocker. And when you combine that with his ability as a pass protector, it's um it's a it's a great, it's a he's he's gonna be he's gonna be fine.
0: Yeah, and just one thing to book in before you jump to the next player. Um we're in a different day and age, right? So what those standards are is different, even if you played right tackle. So you could have an elite, elite pass protector at right tackle, and in this day, in this league, with as much of the passing velocity that we have, um, that's totally fine. So I think, you know, he's a phenomenal prospect, and and I think brings a lot to the table. But let's jump to the guy that I feel is very polarizing, um, Charles Cross, and. Um, it's interesting, again, DaCosta had his, his take on him as well, and the athletic aspect, he called him a power forward and pass protection, um, but, yeah, I mean, that's like, and we talked about Neil, and I think the there's some stark differences, not too much, right, but they're both in that same category where they're, like, exceptional athletes. However, are they physical enough, or at least specifically with crosses? he, you know, I think... Is he physical enough? So I know you're going to get into that, but I just wanted to say that up front because his, his, um, his, and it, we're still, in, we're still in March, but he's all over the board. So he's anywhere from top five, top 10, all the way to the Ravens at pick 14. So it's, it's hard to get a handle on him. I guess this combine is going to be very uh, important for him. I'm sure he'll test pretty well, but um, what, what do you think? I mean, because he's realistically a possibility for them. Um, we talked about the first two guys as being better fits, like Ravens type players. But um, is he someone that you know, based on your evaluation, like it could be one of those things where he's there, but is he the right guy? So I wanted you to unpack
1: it from that perspective. Yeah. So I think um, he. So power forward is the is a great description. I loved that when I saw when he saw Ed, Eric Cost said that. I, I would I would encourage people if you want to know. Sort of imagine so to, to see what he looks like, watch, watch an EK Maquano tape and then watch a Charles Cross tape, and the difference is staggering. Like Cross carries that weight ridiculously well. You know, he's still 300 plus pounds, but he's so lean. Um, it's it really is It's staggering the difference between their body types. Let's if we box off the, the pass protection first. He's he so first of all, the the, the thing we're gonna we'll talk about when we talk about his run blocking is the is the context. Context is so important in about in, in evaluation. Mississippi State is an air aid air raid scheme. They're a pass first offense. They he he very rarely had to run the ball. But it's also important to point that out in terms of his pass protection because he has a ton of pass protection reps to go on because he's had to he's had to do that so he has perfected his pass protection he is he's an outstanding athlete for his size he has great foot speed um, he carries his weight so well. He just has elite movement skills as a pass protector and he's a good processor too. So that, that kind of helps him too. He predominantly. So one of the things that will be interesting, I know this, this will know his arm length by the time this podcast is released. Um. I, I, so maybe you can call me out as wrong here, but me and uh, Mike Crawford have had some conversations actually and Chris um, Aguilera. have had some conversations about like, what is, what is his length? What is his arm length? Because he predominantly uses um, a very expertly placed inside hand. Uh, And we'll talk in a little bit in the second with with Trevor Penning about inside hand, uh, inside strikes, but he uses a really expertly placed inside hand and then he uses his outside hand as a fail safe. So he'll get his inside hand on and he'll steer guys. That is a technique that most slightly shorter arm guys use. And I wonder whether his arms will be a little bit shorter than, than you, than we expect, so that's <laughs>
0: Yeah.
1: And, and like you're reducing basically le- length, length is important, but it's only important in the context of how you reduce the time and space between you as a blocker and the defender. That's the most important thing. Yeah. And absolutely. guys with guys with shorter arms can use an, in, uh, an effectively placed strong inside hand because that inside hand is closer to the defender. You're close to the defender, so you don't have to have as much length because the space is closer, Where it's your outside hand, the outside shoulder is further away from the outside de- defender's shoulder. So if you can use an effective inside hand, you can neutralize any length challenges that you have. Um, not everybody can. It's got to be good. Cross is, uh, cross is outstanding with his inside strike. So that is something that that I think is very good from him. Um, he The one thing in his pass protection that I did see that I felt was a, a slight issue was against longer defensive linemen, against defensive linemen with more length, who had a bit of a reach advantage on him um, and could keep his inside hand off them, they could convert that into a long arm counter and give him some trouble now he ha- he has a decent anchor it's not like there's a particular problem with an anchor but he couldn't reset when he got that when he got that long arm move put on him so that is something he'll have to kind of watch out for I think at the next level and something that's a that's an interesting thing
0: but yeah, his run enough. blocking
1: is yeah his run blocking is a different story altogether
0: yeah let's get into a little bit of that I mean I feel like that is the big that's the big conundrum here is that uh, unlike uh, unlike evan neal who we talked about it's not i think that he's not a good run blocker it's just that it is not it's probably not what he gets fired up about when he wakes up in the morning Maybe, and I, i don't want to mischaracterize the guy but you know again there's a level of i think you know there's a level of passion and and just kind of wanting to be that like dominator in the run game and the reason we talk about that and the reason i'm taking a second to emphasize that is because it's a raven's thing and it's a raven's it's not a deal breaker but like uh you know when you look at the guys that they've drafted you look at some and that's an offensive tackle that's a guard that's at center they like guys that are willing to mix it up and and just get after it in the run game and their offensive coordinator is person who is going to construct this offense based on the run game so it's important so I, I guess that all being said um yeah is he is he just off way off the mark for what they they need
1: yeah and i so the, the thing i would say so if you're um so if i get up if when i get up for work in the morning for my office desk job um i don't get fired up about working construction and that's the issue with charles cross he he can't get fired up about run blocking because he doesn't do it <laughs> like, that's a fair point that's totally fair <laughs> but i think totally he fair. <laughs> he so he there's some finish there's a little bit of finish to him there's a little bit of nasty to him you can see it it's it's very rare but it you know he has this is the main thing about the, the context here so we can talk about his run blocking all day but the thing people have to remember is that he hasn't done it very much and while that's that could be a knock on him. It could also be a case of actually maybe his ceiling is is nowhere near reached as a run blocker because he hasn't had yeah. to do it. So you could look at it both ways. The So same thing applies to him as applies to Evan Neal. He's a pusher rather than having kind of explosive strength. But I do think he he could have explosive strength. I think it's more of a technique issue with him. So the the thing with him is he doesn't, when you position a block you you've your footwork needs to be right your drive step and then your attack step he struggles with his attack step which means he doesn't quite get into a position to be able to fit the block well and what happens then is he overreaches for the block um and so he's there there are technical issues to his to his run blocking that that he struggles with now when he's in space when you see him get out in space block space blocking and when he's um when he's cutting off, when he's doing cutoff blocks from the backside, you can see him use his athleticism to position better for the block. Um, and so that that is a situation where the, techni- the technical deficiency is covered up somewhat by his athleticism. It can't be covered up in terms of his gap blocking. I think he's close to being pretty much the same kind of fit for the Ravens as Evan Neal. Like I, I, I don't. I, I believe a lot in his pass protection. I believe a lot in his potential because of that. He's very young. Um, he's a redshirt sophomore. He's he's a guy who you really could develop into a into a high end offensive tackle. Um, and I think there's. I I watched enough film of him. I watched a lot of film of him to be able to watch him run blocking. Um, I watched enough film of him to get pretty reasonably comfortable with his run blocking to project him. To at least the same kind of level as as Evan Neal, was making things functional, and I actually think he's probably got a little bit more upside than that in the end. So he's not that's a great because he ha- he hasn't done it.
0: So you exactly have to give that. I mean, Alejandro Villanueva came here last year saying he didn't run block, and he made a whole he made a, he gave a great explanation of it that if you're not doing it. Uh, it's not that necessarily I don't want to do it. I'm not doing it. So therefore, now I know that this is fun and I can do it. And 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 funny enough, he was actually pretty good. I think he was a better run blocker than he was a pass blocker last year. So yeah. um, there's something to be said about that. I think that's a, a phenomenal like observation that, I mean, how much can you ding a guy that doesn't do it that much?
1: Yeah. And like I said, like you can look at it the other way, like fully the other way and say, actually, he's, he hasn't done it very much, so maybe if we get him doing it more, he's going to be he's going to be better at it. I think he's got the tools. I, I think he's he's another guy who's working with Duke Manyweather, and I, I I do think there's there is he does he does have it. He has the ceiling to be the best left tackle out of this class, um, depending on certain things around his pass protection in terms of still being able to use the length he has um, at the next level, and also you know, developing that run that run blocking. I think, like I said, I think he's a he's he's of a similar, for me, he graded out very similarly to Aquano and Neil. And in terms of his fit with the Ravens, he and Neil are a slight um, tier below Aquano, I would say.
0: Yeah, I personally like him a lot. I think he brings a lot to the table. And I think the things that you've outlined are exciting. If you are, and this is something Joe Ortiz said last year, which is very, I think, important um they don't look at these guys as finished products they uh they look at them like you said you're projecting your prospect the prospect is, no, is known a prospect for a reason so they then think about how can these guys work with the coaches we have on staff to shore up these areas if you have the motivation i mean the personality seems as though he he would i mean he's going to interview obviously so we'll know a little bit more about him but I think everything st- kind of lines up well on that front. So, tech, I mean, I love his phys- I love his athleticism. I love that. I think that's you know you just can't you can't manufacture that. So, those things are still I think you know out front and, and more important than anything else. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I lost the feed for a sec. Um, I'm still here, but yeah, I think I think he's a guy that we we would call a red star. We well, maybe not red star, but we would call him close to red star, right? So he's there. Um, let's get to this next guy, who I feel like we talked about polarizing for cross. I think that's a little bit more like across the spectrum of the NFL, not necessarily like the Ravens, right? But like this next guy is polarizing for the Ravens fan base. Penning, Trevor Penning. Um, so Trevor Penning is, I think he's polarizing because he's got a lot of qualities that match up. Like when we were talking about that physicality, that like um, that that nasty, that just kind of like I'm gonna you know take you out. Like Deondas of the world, Jensens of the world, the guys that were like you know you, you go down that dark alley, that proverbial dark dark alley. Those guys fit that, right? Um, and Penning's kind of like got those same traits, but the other aspect, or I guess the other side of the coin, is that he's got major deficiencies as well. But like not major, I should say, but like things that are very concerning, at least for me, um, on the face of it. And we don't have anything to talk about with him when it comes to DaCosta, because DaCosta actually didn't say a word about Trevor Penning. Trevor Penning was asked about the Ravens, and he said that he smiled and he said. Yeah, any team that wants that edge, I mean, I'm all for playing for that team. So I think he's I think he's pretty well aware that he's been connected. I, he's been connected the most in mocks. Um, just recently, Mel Kiper mocked him to the Ravens, had him passing a lot of talent on defense to take him, to a, on a trade down. So there's no shortage of connections here on multiple levels, but I want you to take the floor and kind of walk through him as a prospect because I think he's fascinating. Uh, in terms of like what he offers his strengths, but some very concerning stuff. So um, that's my, my, my favorite. What's your, what's your, I guess, what's your full breakdown of him from the, from the film?
1: So I think for me, he's, you know, sort of high level takeaway first. I don't, I don't have him. I have him a good considerable way below. Well, I have him two sort of two grades below um the guys we've already talked about. So I, I don't hate the guy. I think, I think he's a I think he's a first round pick. I think he's got the potential to be a starting right tackle in the league and, and possibly even a starting tackle that you that you kind of that you win with, that you that you're happy with. I, I think there are some there are some challenges to his game. But if we start with the stuff with the good stuff first, I think he's, you know, he's very smooth in his kick slide. He's he doesn't really pitch his feet up and down. I think I've t- I've talked to him a little bit already about efficient footwork. You know, the most important thing for an offensive lineman is is um ground reactionary force, is what we would call it. So making sure your feet are in contact with the ground. And for a powerful guy like Penning, a guy with the play strength that Penning has keeping your feet in contact with the ground is really, impo- uh, you know, is really important so he does do that sorry first thing to actually first thing I should have mentioned is don't forget he's from Northern Iowa so uh you know level of competition he faced was um was you know was was questionable at times you can see him against some some good rushes um so he's he's different to um cross and in fact we do have measurements on on penning I think he's close to 35 inch arms so he has long arms. He's, he's not got any problems there in terms of his length. And so he does use, he does predominantly use an outside strike. He's, he's pretty good um, with his placement with that too. And it kind of brings his strength into play, his core strength into play. So that's, that's really good. I think that's a, that's a good part of his, of his, um, of his makeup as a, as a pass protector. The thing that, Clearly makes him fit with the Ravens. And I think when we're talking about his fit with the Ravens, I have him on a par with a quanu in terms of his fit, not necessarily his talent level, but he's fit with the Ravens. Uh it's that gap, it's that gap-blocking suitability again. You know, he's he's he has outstanding fit and finish on gap blocks, and he just bends the point of attack to his will. He's nasty, he's physical, he's You know, watch the senior ball clips. He he really is a tough, aggressive, physical, nasty, competitive sob. Like he is, he is a guy who's gonna who is gonna embarrass you, and he's gonna be happy about it. Um, The other thing, just as a technical thing, is I do think he's he's very good on double teams. So he doesn't need much help when he's the postman, the guy that takes over and keeps the block at the line of scrimmage. And he also has got really good timing on his release to the second level. And the Ravens run a bunch of bunch of double teams. So um, everything that you see from him on drive blocks, on down blocks and angle blocks, on those DBLs, like the, these, these blocks are the, the bread and butter of the Ravens scheme. And he thrives in those. He really does. On the flip side the the thing that's concerning about his press protection for me is first like first things first and there's a bigger concern than this but i do think it's worth first pointing out that his hand timing um can sometimes especially in vertical sets be a little bit off and he keeps kicking a bit too long so he can keep kicking a bit too much and then when you do that, if you when you're when you're setting as an offensive lineman, you want to get to a set point and then you want to build your house, then you want to hit the guy. He kicks a bit too much sometimes um and doesn't really time his hands effectively to, to make sure that he's getting into the into the defender. He also, when he jump sets, he can be a bit flat-footed, so he kind of mm-hmm. gives up the outside a little bit. So there's a little bit of timing issues in his pass protection that sort of lead to the bigger issue, which is that when he... Do, and I, I've, I've worked a lot of his tape now to try and understand this a bit. And um, there's an interesting thing that um, I won't steal Mike Crawford's thunder, but Mike um, put me on to a um, potential that this was the potential basically way that this might have been coached that me, means that he does this. But I also think, and I, I do believe in what I've seen, which is that I think when you see, when he faces an, an, a rusher, a pass rusher who has a really effective plan and sort of disguises his plan well when penning can't see an inside move coming he will be opened up and someone will get through get through him on the inside and get to the quarterback very easily yeah. he, he panics way
0: who a rusher right so like when we talk yeah. about it, like a guy like the mo- more refined uh, pass rushers that they are you know advanced they have two way
1: goes they're going to eat them up that's possible yeah. yeah that's the thing so he he panics he just panics and crosses his feet and chases now when he's and this goes back to the efficient feet I was talking about before he does have quick feet big actually because like he's his measurable athleticism will be great he you know he will he will have measurable speed but he does have efficient feet rather than necessarily lightning fast feet. So when he can see it coming and he can use his efficient feet and he can be smooth, he's got a really good power step because he's got good play strength, but when he can't see it coming, which like you say, he will get in the NFL with rushes who have those two way who can disguise when they're coming inside. He, he, he may struggle because he's going to panic <sighs> the only thing i'd say is that could be that's coachable like that's a technical deficiency that you could put right over time um and so that is something to to consider the other the other kind of deficiency i i think there is is that his inside hand often pushes defenders too far up the arc um so he there is a thing around you know inside hand you, you don't it's you know, most people think that you, you want to see two hands inside inside the breastplate pushing people. That's not the case always. And often an inside hand for a long guy like Penning can actually be f- placed further down the torso um, and can be used as a steer. So it's not it's not a bad thing that he places his hand there. I just think sometimes he steers too much and pushes them up the arc and gives himself a disadvantage. And so his basically his control and steer sort of move where he uses that inside hand just needs some work. But again, that's another technical thing that maybe teams feel they can feel they can resolve. Um, I think that's the key with him. It's basically what you're looking at is a. Uh, a guy who's coming out of Northern Iowa who didn't face great competition, but also didn't have, you know, the the kind of high level coaching that some of these other guys had that Evan Neal had at Alabama. He's a moldable piece of clay. He's athletic. He's very long. You know, he's, he's exactly what the Ravens would be looking for in terms of a prototype, a left tackle or even right tackle. Indeed. He's also got swing capability. I think he could play on the left side, but he will also more people on the right side. So there's, there's a lot of attractiveness to him if you believe you can fix the issues in his pass protection.
0: Well, let's start. There's a lot to unpack. And I think that you did a great job of distilling all of it down. Let's start with, um, yeah, like what are the Ravens looking for? I mean, ultimately, again, they need someone who can can, can jump in and play left tackle at a functional, forget functional. I mean, you kind of need to, really good left tackle I and mean, then they can't have no margin of error on that they don't have another really if they don't have a very good left tackle this season they're going to be in trouble so let's start with that be think it can he come in uh, we we talked about the other three guys we believe that they they can all come in and play that 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 level at left tackle in case you don't have Stanley so that's number one on Sure. I mean, then that if you're OK, like you don't have to like play him at left tackle, that changes the conversation just slightly, I think, because now I could see the things that you've outlined being correctable at right tackle. I think you can live with some of those problems like the the right, the, the, the defensive ends he's going to face at right tackle. They're still very good. I mean, he's still going to face a lot of like top notch com- competition, your Max Crosby's, you know, Watts, mostly a guy that rushes off that side, right? So Von Miller we talked about. So there's a lot. I mean a lot of the league has now changed where typically your left defensive end was not always your your you know like they weren't always the most elite like you know speed rusher guys. That's kind of changed now. So I feel like they have you have a little bit more combination guys on that left defensive end slash left edge whatever, Sam's spot. So um, I, I think he's – so my, my concerns are what you said. With the footwork, the base, the ability to anchor, it just looked like that he could get pushed back pretty bad and then he'll panic. So then is it a cascade effect at that point? Are the penalties a product of that? Does he get frustrated? Does he get taken out of this game? You saw, I think, uh, some of the elite, like, speed rushers in, at the Combine – give him the business a couple of times and like his response was just to kind of like to, to hit him after the fact. So there's some concerns I have with his mentality married with the deficiencies that are technical deficiencies. I do agree. He's incredibly good at the run games. That's like one of the things you would look at and you'd say, all right, well, yeah, like he's going to bring a lot to the table. And the other thing I'd say is left guard. I think that he's got experience at guard. Um, Cole, Cole is another one of our friends who's talked about that uh, pretty openly. So, um, so so yeah, I think that's a good thing going for him is that he's played well at guard. Could he slide into guard and still give you really good – I mean, he could be a really good guard too. So the there's a lot of Ravens fits, right, like a lot of things that match up. And then there's some things that I just think are – my overall arch, our overarching concerns that are not Ravens-specific. I just think, like, is he going to get embarrassed certain games? Is he going to be a reliable guy in the playoffs when you need him to be, um, like, against the elite competition? And you brought that up, too, Northern Iowa. like. So I know Evan Neal, I mean, I know he's going up against, like, top competition. So I, I, I don't like him at 14 at all. I, I just don't. I would be really disappointed, but if they move back and they grab a second round pick, sure. I think that's fine. Um, That's kind of where I'm at with him though.
1: Yeah. And I think that's where I am too. Um, I think he's, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think he, I think he is an offensive tackle. I think he's, uh, and I think, I think you'd have to help him to start with at the start of the, you know, within the, the kind of first year. So the, the thing that I think does go for him at right tackle is that you put him next to Zeitler. Um if you you know sure. if you're playing him at right tackle and then you can potentially help him with some of that processing. Like you can, you know, maybe Zeitler can point out when a guy's gonna potentially come inside on him. I know that's something that happens post snap normally, but you know you well,
0: we've seen you, it before he covered up for the entire Giants offensive line
1: yeah. The so, so maybe that that helps him a bit having Zeidler next to him, and that's why right would right side would be better. I think he could play left in the league. Like, I don't, I don't, I think it's, I think it's possible. I just think the thing is, you, I think you're going to have to help him with chips, with, with different things that that you do to help a, a slightly deficient offensive tackle. But the thing for me is that he's not a permanent, I don't, I don't think he's a permanently deficient offensive tackle. I think this stuff is fixable. Um, and so at that point you're kind of betting on the upside and thinking this is going to be a guy that you know that is either going to be a bookend with, with Stanley and he's gonna and he's gonna set the tone for our offensive line in terms of run blocking, or he's gonna be a left tackle that's able to replace Stanley in, in the long run. So I I, I think I, I can see why he would potentially be attractive to the Ravens. But I'm with you. 14 is just a little bit rich for me.
0: Yeah, and I will. I, I do. I can't imagine a situation where they're boxed in and they take them like that. I. I, I think my thought on that is um, either they're going to go get one of those other two guys, uh, one of those other three guys. Somehow, maybe one of them falls miraculously, like cross falls to ten or nine or ten, and they maybe maybe they you know package. Uh, a couple of those mid round picks and they're able to move up. Right. So that's one, uh, that's what I'm hoping. And that's one possibility, but, um, or the defensive players that they like are kind of just, they're all like picked off and you got pennings in there. Maybe, you know, like that there's a couple, we saw the receivers go, you know, wild on their 40 times. So, I mean, if teams are like, yeah, we got to just jump in and get the receivers, they could still trade down two spots, three spots. But I think that's, where I'm, I'm, I know that you and I have had so many discussions about it. I mean, we're just, it's hard to, to, to uh, sign off on him there, but he's got a lot of good qualities. Um, and I think, you know, the, the fans of Penning. I may, I can understand it, right. I can understand where they're coming from. So um, he would definitely add, I think a little bit of that, um, and, which I think is, 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 is a fair not maybe not fair, but like I think people have brought it up, right? Raves have lost their edge. So he would bring that to the table. He would be a guy that if Lamar Jackson got hit after the whistle, he would probably go after whoever did that. So he's got that that mentality and you like that. Um that's our list. Uh, that's a good list. It's four. I think these are all, you know, like very viable. Um, guys uh, fit the Ravens various ways. There are other people that you know, aren't gonna quite be at that fourteenth range, but um, we're not going to talk about them because this is about fourteenth range. so <laughs> you're following along. Um, any other parting thoughts on this conversation, this topic, this this group?
1: No, I just think I think I think it's the the, the what final thing I'd say is I think it's relative. So when I say I don't think penning, uh, like penning at 14 is a bit rich for me. I think what's what I see as potentially happening is that Aquanu and Neil and Cross are all gone. And then there will be for me 10 better at least 10 better players than Penning on the ball. Like <laughs> above above him and that's the thing it's relative there's some talent in this draft yeah and maybe this segues into into our future podcasts that there are other talent talent other positions especially on the defensive side of the ball that i would probably prefer to take above penning at the time you know the ravens are r- rarely draft this high so you want to get a blue chip player when you draft this high and oh, and holy. there are some there will be some that are available
0: Totally. Exactly. Right. That's where we're coming from. It's not about him. And if this was a end of first round, there's no, no doubt, right. It's just, it's hard to reconcile taking him over the elite elite talent that should be there, even on offense that might be there. Right. We're talking about like, like, like the receivers, I I wouldn't have a problem with that. If you're saying you can get a number one receiver um, between the group of guys that are there. So, yeah, I think the, yeah, th- this is an important position and we've unpacked quite a bit about it. And I do think they'll address it, whether they do it with that pick. I don't know. I don't think they. I, I don't think that's a guarantee. I think it's like 50 percent. Um, and I think or, or even could even be less than 50 percent. Like, I do think because the second round is is, is a whole another conversation for another um, day. But like, you know, I think hopefully, um, you know, I think we covered it. And, and James's reports are available, of course, like we said, all these details. Um, We talked about it, uh, but definitely there's more detail in those reports, and um, you can definitely read that at your leisure, uh, on your lunch break, whatever it is. Um, Go back to it, compare your notes, compare it to the audio. Um, We'd love for you to come back to us on Twitter. We're both um, on Twitter, uh, so if you want to get to us that way or respond to James directly on the website. So um, with that, We will wrap up the first episode. Um, Up next, though, we've got the cornerbacks up in episode two. So we'll talk about them. But uh, have a great day otherwise. Thanks, everyone.